We're continuing in our series on Acts, and actually we're getting towards the very end of it. And if you are here for the first time and you're going, oh great, you know, here's a series and I came in on episode 20 or whatever, right? Right when the season's over. It's all right. You can pick up right here. If you do want to go back and check out any of the messages, they're online. You can listen to those or watch those. Uh, We've done it in two halves, and this is the second half. We're towards the end of it. We just have a little bit more to go. But as we get to the second half of the book of Acts, uh, just to give you a little background again, this was written by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and that tells the story of Jesus' life. And then we get to Acts, and it really tells the beginning of the church. And so this is important to us because the very reason that you and I are here today is because God started a movement that is the church. And the church was never meant to be a building of bricks and stone. The church is people. Now, buildings are useful tools. I do want to ask you guys to continue praying because we're taking a serious look at a future home for our church. But that's not the church. We're the church. And that's what starts in the book of Acts. And we're seeing these missionary journeys. And as we get to the latter half of Acts... It really kind of revolves around one main character, and that's a man named Paul, who used to be named Saul, and his life was radically transformed when he has this encounter with Jesus, and then he just begins to go from city to city to community to community, talking to people who had some background with God and people who had no background with God whatsoever, and saying, this is my story. This is what happened in my life, and place after place after place where he goes, he begins to see life change. It's not without its difficulties. We talked about this some last week. As Paul goes, he continually faces being rejected. He faces being put in prison. He faces being beaten. And as we get to this part of the journey, he's headed back to Jerusalem. And as he goes back to Jerusalem, where this whole thing kind of started, where the ripple began from out there, it was the epicenter, if you will, As he gets back to Jerusalem, he knows there are many difficulties lying ahead of him. And that's where we're going to pick up today. Because as he gets back to Jerusalem, it's this key place where the church began. After he comes back, there's a riot that we talked about last week. That's kind of how we finished last week. Paul gets to stand up and talk before the Jews and a riot breaks out. So so bad that a guard, a Roman guard, has to pull Paul aside for his own safety just to protect him from the Jews. And he pulls him aside and says, now what's going on? And that's what we're going to pick up today. Acts chapter 23, Uh, if you brought your Bible, you're welcome to follow along, whether that's in paper or on a device, or you're welcome to follow along on the screens as well. By the way, if you do need a Bible, we always have extra copies out there. You're welcome to take it home and have it. We want everybody to have access to the Word of God. Acts chapter 23, though, is going to bring us to a detour. Like I said, Paul's destination that he's wanting to get to here is Jerusalem. And that's where he's ended up. But as he gets there, it's not going to go as expected. Now, we live in San Antonio. So you guys are familiar with detours. You're going across town, you got to get to work, you're going somewhere, and then all of a sudden there's the flashing lights, you see brakes going, you know, and you're thinking, oh, here it comes. In our creative meetings, when we t- get together as a staff, we often talk about, okay, how can, we, how can we really make this message stick? And 
Josh, our worship leader, he took it upon himself this week to do something to help you guys understand the pain of detours and construction and delays. And so if we could pull up the map, this is what Josh put in place this week. Josh put detours all over the city just so you guys could empathize with the pain of having to wait and be detoured. I wasn't in on this decision, so if you would like to email Josh, his email address is right there. So if you had to wait in traffic this week, if you were delayed, feel free to express your opinion to him, all right? No, but seriously... I do enjoy a good road trip, and I don't know if you guys are like me, but I put in the destination on my phone, pull up that GPS, and it gives me the estimated time. And to me, that's not just a fact, it's a challenge, because I am going to beat that time, right? I want to see those numbers tick down as it keeps rerouting. But that's the thing. Whenever you're going somewhere, especially if it's a long road trip, you're going to have some point where you're going to get rerouted where you're going to have to go the way that you weren't expecting to go, maybe because of choices that you make, like I do, because I think I know better ways than the GPS knows, and then I end up having to go longer because I thought I could beat it, right? Or maybe it's because you're following directions, but then all of a sudden you get, maybe you don't have to reroute, maybe you just get stuck in that traffic that's not going anywhere, Because one person on the side of the road has a flat that apparently everybody has to slow down and stare at, right? Whatever it is, when we're going on that road trip, you're going to face a situation where you're rerouted, where you're delayed, where your plans get thrown off. And that's one thing in traffic, right? I mean, it's frustrating, but we can all handle it. But then there's the reality of life. Because every single one of our lives are going to face those situations as well. If you've been breathing very long, you've already faced situations where you're going, this isn't how I planned for it to go. This isn't how I planned for my school year to go this year. This isn't how I planned for this job to go. It's not how I planned for this marriage to go. This isn't what I was expecting. It's not what I was wanting. At some point in your life, You're going to face some delays, right? You thought you would be farther along than you are right now. You're going to face some detours where you have to go a different direction, take a turn in life that you weren't expecting to take. You're going to face those situations in life that cause disappointment. My story, the reason that I'm standing here before you guys today is because my life didn't go the way I expected it to go. I had these dreams when I came to San Antonio. I had a plan in my head of how it was going to go. And those things fell apart. And it was frustrating and it was disappointing. Because not only did it not go the way I wanted it to go, but I felt betrayed. I felt lied to. I felt like something was taken from me. And it brought a lot of disappointment. Disappointment in other people and also disappointment in God. And I hit a season where I was just going, God, what in the world are you doing? Or where are you? Or what am I supposed to be doing? And what's next for me? Now, am I saying that Rock Hills is some sort of consolation prize of, okay, my life fell apart and here I am with you guys. (laughs) I guess I'll take it. No, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying my life fell apart with that unexpected news. 
And in that moment of crumbling, I couldn't see what was next. And I was hurt and I was disappointed and I was rerouted and I was detoured and I was delayed. But God knew details that I couldn't even see. And God was putting a plan into place that he knew long before I knew. And God was weaving together all of the details to do something even bigger and better and more beautiful than I could have planned if I was putting the plan together myself. So what I'm saying is, in the midst of your delays and your disappointments, God is at work. And we're going to see that in the life of Paul. Acts 23, verses 10 through 13. The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by the Jews that were listening to him. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him to the barracks. So I'll pause right there. So Paul has come to Jerusalem because he's got a dream and a plan in his heart to reach these people, to see the gospel transform them just like it's transformed so many people in places that he's been. He wants to go back to the epicenter. He gets to Jerusalem and these people are rioting. So much so that the guard literally feels like they're going to rip his body apart if they get a hold of him. So we're not just going to stand up here by you to protect you. We've got to move you to a protected facility. We continue in verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul. I love just that phrase right there. The Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The next morning, A group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 of them in on this conspiracy. All right. So we have to understand Rome was not Paul's plan. It was not the destination that he put in on his GPS. He wanted to be in Jerusalem. He knew that he was supposed to be there. And yet God shows up and says, okay, you made it to Jerusalem. Now you're going to go to Rome. And his dream at that moment gets delayed. It gets re He's surrounded by these very people that he came to reach, that he's filled with compassion for, that have now said, at least 40 men, that have said, we will not eat or drink. They're going to get really hangry until we make sure that Paul is dead. All right, so this is a pretty dire situation. Now, one of the men around that group just happened to be Paul's nephew. He wasn't one trying to kill him, but he overheard what was happening. And so he gets message back to a guard and to Paul, hey, there's 40 guys out here that are refusing to go through the drive through until they make sure that you are dead. And so they take, they take a group of men. They say 470 Roman guards And they take Paul and they move him to the island of Caesarea for his own safety. And there he's going to be before the governor named Felix. So Paul's plan has now gone on a detour. What in your life has been a detour? What is it in your life that has let you down or you go, this isn't what I was planning for. 
It's not what I was expecting. Maybe you feel let down by God. Maybe you feel let down by your job, by your friends, by your loved ones. There may be things in your life that you feel like have blocked you or rerouted you. They may be big things. They may be small things. But what you plan for in your life, you may feel like, where did God go in this situation? Maybe you didn't get the job that you applied for and you thought that you were going to get. Maybe you didn't get that raise. Maybe you didn't get the second date that you were hoping for. You know, maybe it's minor things like that. You'll get past it, but you're disappointed, right? I mean, you felt like it was going to be different. Maybe it's much bigger than that. I mean, if we're just real and honest, maybe you can't get pregnant. You can't get pregnant again. We went through that where we thought, man, we're never going to be able to have another baby and just kind of that heartache. And then 13 years ago, a little boy named Jack showed up, you know, Maybe, maybe it's that one day your spouse walks in and says, I just don't love you anymore. That's a disappointment and a reroute, right? Maybe you get the call from the doctor with those results, those words that you were hoping that you would never, ever have to hear. Those are detours that we face. Those are disappointments that we face. That in that moment... You went from life being normal yesterday to everything has changed now. It's like the bottom just fell out. And what are you going to do? And maybe you felt like in those situations, whether big or small, you think, okay, God, I'll do it your way. Right? I mean, I've had trouble in my finances. I'm going to start giving to God. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to put money in the offering at church. I'm going to go to church every week. God, I'm actually going to sing the songs when I go to church. I'm actually going to read my Bible. Maybe you felt like in some degree, okay, God, I'm going to muster up the strength and work hard and do it your way. And you've done it God's way and you still go, God, I tithed and I'm still broke. God, I read my Bible. I went to the Bible study and my life seems even worse now than it did then. It's in those moments where we feel like everything is falling apart and maybe it's even getting worse. What do we do in those moments? Paul was having a tough moment and you may feel like, well, he got moved to an island for his safety. You know, it's not that bad, right? I mean, it was bad. His plan and his purpose have been rerouted. He's been moved now to a place where he never intended to go and he could have easily been going, God, why won't you fix this? God, I know you sent me to Jerusalem. How come I'm sitting here in a jail in Caesarea? I'm disappointed with people. I'm disappointed with God. If anybody could have felt that way, it could have easily been Paul. Watch what happens next. In Acts chapter 24, verse 27, it says this. After two years went by this way. Two years. He's stuck in that jail on that island. Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. So a new governor comes into play. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. You've been rerouted and you're stuck in jail now for two years. And the governor who's leaving wants to do a favor to the Jewish people who hate you. So he just leaves you there. For no reason, for no purpose, 
you're just stuck. If you've ever been on a flight and the flight gets delayed and you're thinking, oh, man, I got up early, I packed, you know, and now I have to sit in the airport and go buy another $10 bag of peanuts or whatever, you know, it's going to take forever. And maybe even you wait on the next flight only to find out it's canceled. And you're just stuck there. Now imagine being stuck there. I believe Tom Hanks had a movie similar to this years ago. Where you can't leave the airport. Imagine your flight gets delayed and then it gets canceled. And then it's never rescheduled but you're not allowed to leave the airport. How frustrating would that feel? That's where Paul is at in this moment. But it's not an airport with massage chairs, right? He's, he, he's in jail. He's faced delays and reroutes. He could have easily felt let down. He could have been angry at the system. He could have been angry at God. He could have been angry at people. But this is where Paul is at. I read an article recently that listed five spiritual growth catalysts by Reggie Joyner. And I thought these, these were real intriguing. And I thought they were so true. Five significant characteristics that we find in our lives that cause our lives to grow in our spiritual faith. And the first thing is practical teaching. Life-changing truth. Maybe, maybe you're, you're listening to that. Maybe hopefully you hear some of that here on Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, what you've read before, what you've heard before, it just begins to click, right? If we've been seeking after God, we all have moments like that where it just begins to click. And the second thing that causes our faith to grow is spiritual disciplines. When we learn how to read the Word of God to see what it's saying to us, we learn how to put a rhythm into our life where we're praying, where we're asking God to move in our lives and we're listening and letting the Spirit lead us. And the third thing is personal ministry. This is when you begin to say, God, I don't want you just to speak to me. I want you to use me. So God begins to use you to reach your neighbors or begins to use you in outreach or begins to use you to serve in our kids ministry. And all of a sudden you ask people who do that stuff on a regular basis. They say, I get more out of it than I'm giving because it becomes a spiritual catalyst in their lives when they do this personal ministry. The fourth thing is significant relationships. I hope you all have someone in your life that causes your faith to be stronger. And that's really important to us here at Rock Hills Church. That's part of the reason why we're giving away hamburgers today, right? It's not just because we're afraid that you're starving. We hope that you're going to meet other people in your life that are going to help your faith to grow that are going to be going down some of the same roads that you're going down. So when you have a burger, meet somebody you haven't met yet, all right? Significant relationships cause our faith to grow. And the fifth thing is pivotal circumstances. Now here's the great thing. One through four, we get to choose those. And we get to say, I'm going to take an active step in my life to grow closer to God. But number five, you don't choose those. Those things happen to you. And those are hard. Usually the pivotal circumstances in your life, if you look back at your life, they're not things that you would have chosen. They're things that have caused a delay and a reroute in your life, a detour in your life. One of two things are going to happen when you face pivotal circumstances. You're going to grow closer to God or you're going to grow farther away from God. Right? When the bottom falls out, when you lose that job, when your marriage falls apart, when you get that bad report from the doctor, 
You're going to grow closer to God or you're going to grow further away from God. Pivotal circumstances are huge. I, I tell my son a lot that how we react to what happens to us is even more important than what happens to us. It's those pivotal circumstances, whether they're little circumstances or huge circumstances. How we react to those things matters. So I want to take a look at Paul's reaction in this situation. Three things that I see in Paul. Number one, Paul is flexible yet focused. Paul had to be flexible, right? Because he's not in control of this situation. He has to go with the flow, but no matter what is happening, he doesn't take his eyes off of his purpose, what he is there to do. Whether he's with the Jews or with the Gentiles, whether he's free or in prison, he's still doing the same thing over and over and over. He's saying, listen, this is how God changed my life, and God wants to change your life as well. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, he says this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is on a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do, through, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul, in the midst of hard circumstances, writes these verses. No matter what situation I face, I can be flexible, but I'm going to stay focused Because through Christ, I can do everything that he calls me to do. A verse that we read last week in Paul referencing some of the difficult situations that he's faced in 2024 of Acts. It says this, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He's focused on what he is supposed to do. Even when his life takes a detour, even when the bad news shows up, even when he's in the most frustrating circumstances, he's focused and flexible. The second thing that we see in Paul is that Paul finds strength in staying connected. If you look at Paul's life, every one of his writings, he's continually connected to people and that gives him strength. It gives him strength to tell others about Jesus and encourage them and he is encouraged back by those people. It is crucial in the midst of detours in our lives that you stay connected with people. And I don't know how many times I've seen it when people's lives start to fall apart. One of the very first things they do is they stop showing up. They start fading away and we start saying, hey, where, where has so-and-so been? You know, call them up or email them. Yeah, life's just been really busy. And I can see those red flags starting to come up. And eventually you just don't see them anymore. We see this with family. We see this in church. We see this with close friends. People begin to pull themselves away when life falls apart. Paul found it important. No matter what situation he was in, he stayed connected. And the third thing, and this is a tough one that we see in Paul, is he doesn't allow himself to become offended. These go hand in hand, right? We lose focus of what we're supposed to be doing. We disconnect with other people, and then we decide, you know what? I have a right to be mad about that. And all of a sudden, this offense starts to take root within us. Now, I'm not saying that Paul was a doormat 
and he just let people walk over him. Because if you read the scriptures, he didn't do that at all. He stood up for himself and he said to those who opposed him and those who are with him, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Here's how you need to do it right. So Paul would stand up for himself. He would correct other people and disagree with other people. He would call things out when he needed to call them out, but he never let it become an offense. If anything, it actually drove Paul to have more compassion for people as they came against him. He wrote this in Acts 24, 16. This being so, I myself, this is in the NIV, I myself always strive to have a good conscience without offense toward God and man. Without offense towards God and man. No matter what happens to me, whether you caused it or God has allowed it to happen, I choose to refuse to be offended. I'm not going to let it take root within my heart. You have to understand, these verses, a lot of them that we're reading from the epistles, Paul is writing these letters from prison, like this one in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy for your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Nobody likes to have detours. Nobody likes to have reroutes and delays, whether we're talking about traffic or even more realistically when we're talking about your life. We don't like to have to wait. We don't like to have to change our plans. We don't like to have to go the long way around in life. But we can. If we give God control, we can allow God to bring the good out of even the ugliest circumstances that we face. Because God sees what you cannot see. And God is doing things in your life that you may not even realize that He's doing In this moment. There's two things that I want to leave you with. And we're going to wrap this up. Go eat some hamburgers. When we face disappointments. When we face pain. When we face those things in life. That cause our lives to reroute. Two things that I want you to know. Number one. God is present in your pain. For whoever it is that is here today. And you may just be saying. I can't take this situation anymore. I want you to hear me loud and clear. God is present in your pain. Hebrews 13.5 says. God tells us. I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. That means no matter what the detour you face. God will never leave you. Or forsake you. God is present in your pain. Second thing, God has a purpose in your pain. And sometimes that's kind of hard to hear. God has a purpose in my pain. Why in the world would God let me go through this? And I look at the pain that I went through to get up here before you today. 
And at the time, I could not see any purpose in it, but I had to trust that God had a purpose. And now it's in retrospect, I can see that purpose. You may remember Joseph in the Old Testament. The guy with the coat of many colors, his brothers take him, sell him to slavery. He goes through one bad situation after another until at one point God elevates him to be the leader of the entire land, the second in command. His brothers come and bow down before him. Here's what it says in verse 20 as Joseph sees his brothers, but, but they're still figuring it all out. In verse 20 it says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know for God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. God is present in your pain and God has purpose for your pain. We're all going to face detours. We're all going to face disappointments. If you're here today and you've got pain and detour and disappointments that you're dealing with because of your own choices, maybe because of the choices for others, from others, or maybe you're disappointed in God. We go through those things. David wrote the Psalms and it's full of disappointments where he wrestled with those things. We would like to pray for you today personally. And I'm going to pray for all of us here in just a second. But our prayer team is going to come up. And if we can pray for you about the detours that you're facing, the pain that you're carrying right now in life, as soon as we let out, we would love to take just a moment and pray for you. But for the rest of us who are here today, I just want to close in a word of prayer and pray that God sees us through the midst of this. I don't want you to miss the next two weeks, by the way. Next week, we've got a really special treat for you. We're going to put a little pause button on Acts before we finish up. And I don't want you to miss the special treat we have next week. And then the following week, we're going to go into Paul's trial. And to do that, we're inviting our very favorite attorney to come and present the trial for us. (laughs) Look at that, a suit and tie. My goodness, man. No, but Al is going to present to us Paul's trial and what goes on there. So don't miss that. The next two weeks are going to be great. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that in the midst of the things that reroute our lives that hurt deep within, Father, or even just hurt our feelings a little bit, God, I thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us, Father, that you are with us in the pain and you have a purpose for the pain, Lord, that there is not a tear that has been shed that has been wasted, but Father, that you take everything that we've gone through and you bring it to redemption, Father. Lord, in the midst of this sinful world, we are all broken in need of redemption. And we thank you that you sent Jesus to be the answer to that redemption. If there's anybody here today and you would just say, I need what Jesus has to offer. He died on the cross so that I could be set free. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, as Paul comes to say, whether you've grown up in a religious setting or you've never known God in your life, God invites you to come and know Him, to be adopted as His very own. If that's you, I just want you to take a moment in your own words to reach out to God and invite Him into your life. Invite Him into your pain to come and meet you where you're at. Lord, we thank You 
for the one who faced the ultimate pain. Jesus in being crucified and the Father who had to let His Son pay the price. Lord, that You did that for us. That You have taken our place. Father, today we choose to surrender all that we are. And we ask You to be the Lord of our lives. To come and redeem this mess that we are, Father. Lord, we love You. In Jesus' name, Amen.